passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Number one on the SmackDown Live Top 10 Superstars list is the WWE Champion, the phenomenal AJ Styles! You know, guys, I gotta be honest, I'm a little surprised Randy Orton was all the way back at number nine, but can somebody please explain to me how the New Day ranked higher than the reigning SmackDown Tag Team Champions, the Usos, and where was Rusev? Uh, well, forget about Rusev, uh, but I'll, I'll answer your question for you. Look, I think part of this is a popularity contest, and we've seen the Usos come out here and put all these tag teams on blast. It wouldn't surprise me when it came down to making that list. Some of those superstars went, yeah, the Usos, they're good, but they're not that good. I'm sure if you got locked in the Uso Penitentiary, Byron, we could sell you for a couple honey buns. Luckily, I'm an escape artist. As if they don't have too much on their plates. The Kings of Combat Sports Podcast, John and Wade. They'll talk about the things they did that day. They'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H. Rewind to SmackDown. Rewind to SmackDown. Rewind to SmackDown. Rewind to SmackDown. Hello, everybody. It's John Pollock. It's Wei Ting, and this is Rewind a SmackDown. How are you tonight, Wei? Very well. Very well. How are you? I am doing fantastic. Are you sure? I just said I'm doing fantastic. I wasn't even trying to be sarcastic. It sounded a little sarcastic. No, I watched uh, some professional wrestling tonight that I'm going to chat with you about. Okay. <laughs> That's about it. All right, you've convinced me. Well, before we get into SmackDown, not a whole lot of uh, news to go through, but we should talk about uh, Jason Jordan first off. The man had neck surgery this morning. Are, uh, are you sure? Am I sure? Pretty sure. Are, are you sure this wasn't sarcastic? Which, that he had neck surgery? I'm not being oh, sarcastic. I, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Because um, didn't his... Um, didn't somebody, his wife. his wife, yeah, tweet that his it was wife, all... His wife went on Instagram and wrote, I will address this once. Yes, Jason Jordan, in uh, quotations, is injured. I assure you, everything you have seen online is fake news. Also in quotations. He has a minor neck injury, and he will be back in no time. Although I am very excited to have him home for a bit, I promise I will help guide him to a speedy recovery. Thank you to everyone who reached out to check on him. He is very positive and already planning his comeback. In the meantime, just please keep sending Nathan and I good vibes. Nathan being Jason Angle. Gotcha. Okay. So, so, so Jason Jordan didn't have surgery, but Nathan did. Nathan had, yes. He, okay. it was, uh, Nathan had surgery for you. <laughs> so this came out that statement was put out 
hours before the WWE alerted everyone that Jason Jordan had a minimally invasive procedure done on Tuesday morning. It was a minimally invasive posterior posterior cervical micro discectomy that was done to compress decompress the nerve uh, in his neck that he's been having an issue with and no timetable on a return. Mm-hmm. So I don't really know what uh, Jason Jordan's wife was reading online, but it seems like they were pretty similar to there is a neck problem. He needs time off. He could need surgery. And he in fact did need surgery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. But- I mean, if it's, in, it, minimally invasive. I, I mean, that that really is kind of the key word, right? Yeah, this it, is this is not the big uh, one year surgery that so many guys have had to have. This is one. I mean, I I don't know how similar this is to. Remember when Kurt Angle had that experimental mm-hmm. surgery done after WrestleMania with Brock Lesnar? He he missed just over two months of action uh, when he had that strange surgery done. Uh, the negative was several months later after he took a chair shot, he needed to have another surgery done. But I don't know how similar they are, but I, I would certainly think it's probably a safe assumption to say WrestleMania is at least in doubt. Oh, yeah. I'm sure about that. Uh, that to me, for a very cautious company when it comes to things like this, in particular the neck, I would not be uh, – I would be taking the uh, the under on that one of – Jason Jordan being able to come back and work WrestleMania in two months. Although with the way they presented him on Monday, um, I I mean, it, it really does feel like they still have this feud and this match with Seth Rollins in mind. Yeah, it's a back burner feud at the worst. I mean, they can mm-hmm. always go back to this. It's It's just difficult. You don't know how someone's going to rehab from this and how do you build up your television when this could be very touch and go. Um, but maybe, maybe he will be cleared in time, but it's whenever you're talking about the neck and needing a surgery, two months seems that's a, that's a tough time period in my head. Mm-hmm. Having well, never we'll see. undergone minimally or uh, maximum invasive surgery myself. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get into SmackDown from Kansas city. The home of the Chiefs, the Royals, and lots of WWE programming on Tuesday night. At the Sprint Center, did this show feel like a sprint way? SmackDown itself? Um, SmackDown was a light jog. Yeah, yeah. I would say maybe the things that followed felt more like sprints. Oh, it was, uh, yeah, there was a a whole collection. Did you Mm -hmm. Did you watch everything? Yes, I did. Wow. So you even got the Mixed Match Challenge covered for us. Mm Mm-hmm. Shane McMahon started the show in the ring, and he talked about the main event will be Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens tonight, winner facing AJ Styles at Fastlane. He doesn't feel they deserve it, but Brian does, so the match is happening. Shane apparently has very little say here. Uh, Brian comes out, and Shane says that they listen to the people here on SmackDown. When a superstar deserves opportunity, it's their job to provide that opportunity. And he doesn't think Brian is listening to the people. So the audience decides to start chanting Rusev Day to the point that Shane has to acknowledge it. And he looks at the audience and says, duly noted. 
Shane then says that Brian keeps giving Owens and Zayn chance after chance after chance. The fans want to see someone new. And Brian brings up the official made a mistake at the Rumble. And Brian thought that maybe he should get a raise for this idea of putting Shane's two enemies in a match where they're going to kill each other. But Shane notes that Brian, he changed the WWE landscape forever with the Yes movement. And says that although he had similar career paths as Owens and Zayn, they are not him. And the Yet movement is a cheap imitation. And he doesn't want Owens and Zayn manipulating Brian anymore. And he knows that more than anything, all Daniel Bryan wants is to wrestle in this ring. And Brian is living vicariously through Owens and Zayn. And the audience booed this notion that Brian is somehow living through these two Canadians. Yeah. After weeks of not hearing about this feud at all, it looks like they're picking it right back up, and I'm very glad to see it. I thought this talking segment was very engaging, and I thought it drew upon some very believable character traits. I think the insinuation that Brian is living through Zayn and Owens because he can no longer wrestle himself is a very believable and a brilliant one. It's a believable accusation, even though the audience refuses to believe that Brian would ever stoop so low. And I loved it because I thought it was enough to drive up the tension between the two again without having either make a clear cut heel statement. Like, you can see why Shane would think this. And it doesn't necessarily make Shane, to me, look that much worse. It's, yeah, you know, it's it just makes, it's a flawed, I think, accusation, but it's not impossible. So I, I just... To me, this feud just continues to feel like an argument that could take place in real life with many shades of gray, and I'm glad it's continuing again this week. I would imagine that the line everyone is going to hyper-focus on is Shane stating that Brian more than anything wants to compete in this ring again. And the way Mm -hmm. they are teasing this, I mean, if you are just the viewer, how can you not just be put in this direction that... This is the logical end to this story. Is this guy getting into the ring? It's true, but I feel like they would say something like that, you know, with McFoley. Uh, although he did come back. <laughs> um, like this story is I, just so set for mm-hmm. Daniel Bryan in a match at WrestleMania. Yeah, I be, but I feel like it's not foreign. Like it's not foreign that they 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 would use a line like that for somebody who you know for a fact could never come back. You know what I mean? Like um, Emilio Estevez in the Mighty Ducks. You mean he like can't, a- he can't coach Bombay? He he had failed dreams of uh you know of scoring that goal, quarter of an inch. Quarter also, of an inch. He also had a DUI on his record, and that's how he had to coach the Ducks. Oh, I, yeah, I missed that that part. That was the whole reason he had to go coach the Ducks. Was he? A, isn't that the the? Setup? I think so. Yeah. Yes, I think so. But you know, to me, that's how I kind of took this comment from Shane. It's that your career is over. We all know it. There's no chance of you ever coming back. But you know, uh, that doesn't mean that you can't still be affected by it in order to for for something like that to to affect your actions today. Yeah, uh, I thought this was a really good opening segment from from both individuals here. Mm-hmm. AJ interrupted them, and he says that this year alone, he's driven over 10,000 miles defending this title. That's a lot of driving. 
Oh, yeah. He can deal with the bumps, the bruises, the travel, being away from his family. But what he can't deal with is SmackDown Live management obsessing over Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn because those decisions affect him. Stay out of my way tonight. And he says, with you guys out of my way, I will walk into WrestleMania as champion. A rare occurrence where AJ got to feel like a champion tonight, especially with these guys. Because he has, to me, been uh, in the background of this entire feud. So I thought this was welcome. Mm-hmm. Right. It just kind of, to me, it was a little odd, like just kind of looking at how <laughs> these are two men that are arguing. And then AJ just decides to come out here to say he's sick of their arguing. I can, Is that the point? I get this. It's like these two, their, their petty differences, this stupid argument has mm-hmm. resulted in this power play involving Owens and Zayn and these countless title shots, these a handicap match this guy had to go through, and now he's got to defend this title against them again. So all of their bickering back and forth, it's always resulting in this guy having to deal with the outcome of said argument. But so to he's me, like, he's sick of it. I understand, but like I expected Brian and Shane to continue. Like I thought, I thought there would be some resolution in their argument. This was Shane accusing Brian of living vicariously through Zayn and Owens and giving them an advantage. So I, I guess I just expected some outcome from that conversation. And then AJ just comes in, interrupts it, and ends the conversation. Like I, fe- I felt like Shane was trying to fight for AJ to come to some resolution. Well, you gotta you gotta keep this uh, this tension going. We can't get a resolution yet. It's only February the sixth there. Anyway, the new day spent the entire night reading tweets from fans, and one of the questions asked was, "Does Corey Graves have a better jab or a left hook?" So they used all of their tweets tonight to subtly reference Corey Graves and Booker T. Mm-hmm. And. If you go on Twitter and look up the hashtag #AskTheNewDay, some great questions out there. Oh, like what? If you could have your choice, would you be a unicorn, giraffe, sloth, butterfly, or a dragon? Yeah, uh, tough choice. Can you guys send me a lifetime supply of pancakes? Can you give me and my brother Nick a shout out? We love you. Jeez. These aren't even that good. What's yeah. what's another word for a thesaurus? I don't know. And then there's a lot of video game questions. I wish there were some better ones here. These aren't even bad good ones. What's hotter? hotter. What's hotter? The SmackDown Live female wrestlers or those pancakes? All right, let's move on. We have a lot to cover. AJ's backstage and runs into Shinsuke Nakamura, who informed AJ, I'm going to beat you at WrestleMania. And that was it. Mm-hmm. Not really I, mu- much for uh, our Royal Rumble winner this week, but yeah, I mean, be- better too little than too much uh, with him speaking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, they have two months to fill. Uh, it's a lot of time to fill for somebody who doesn't cut long promos. So I suppose there are going to be weeks like this where he'll just have these one-liners and that's it. Yeah, 
Uh, that was it. Uh, mm-hmm. And then he was going to team with AJ in the dark match later on tonight. This Kansas City crowd, boy, did they get their uh, their money's worth here for the length of this this taping. Because at the end of all of this, there was a tag team dark match with Style, yeah. Styles and Nakamura against Baron Corbin and Jinder Mahal. Okay. Well, for those that decided to stay, at least. Yeah. I mean, if you've sat through all this, why not? Charlotte versus Liv Morgan was our non-title match. And there were all these stomps to Morgan. We went through a commercial break. Charlotte uh, attacks her with her chops, does that strut. I want this strut retired. Morgan yanked her off the turnbuckle by the leg. And then Charlotte spears uh, Morgan, then goes to Sarah Logan on the edge of the apron. Riot pulls Morgan to the floor. And this leads to Ruby Riot and... Sarah Logan being ejected, and they were just so distraught at this referee's decision to eject them. Charlotte ducked an inseguri, yeah. running boot, figure eight, and Liv Morgan taps out as Charlotte tells the announcers, one down, two to go. She's going to kill the entire Riot Squad. Mm-hmm. So it looks like they're going to feed the entire Riot Squad to her before her title defense at Mania. And I have no issue with it. I really don't don't see the Riot Squad having much of a role at WrestleMania. Uh, to me, they are kind of the uglier, more uh, uh, you know disappointing cousin of Absolution. Wow! And I daggers. Well, I'm tonight. just saying that they're they they've been disappointing. You know what I mean? Like what what I mean is just I'm not even. T- I said uglier as in like they are just. I mean, un- more more unsuccessful is what I'm trying to say. Because anyway, whatever. But uh, I see whatever potential that they have uh, coming after WrestleMania. You know, maybe you break these these few up and then you really give them, you know, uh, a, a proper push separately. I don't know. But in its current incarnation, I don't see them achieving enough uh, momentum all the way towards WrestleMania for any type of big role. So this might be their best use. Maybe they needed a third T on the name. Could have been a difference. Maker. Hmm. Yeah. They aired a uh, Black History Month video at the National Civil Rights Museum in Memphis with uh, some of the talent uh, going there when they were in Memphis. Renee knocked on the door of Kevin Owens and asked about tonight's match having effect, having an effect on his relationship with Sami Zayn. Kevin said, that's up to Sami if he can handle losing to me. The bludgeon... Hey, but, by the way, I think the, those Black History Month pieces that they've been airing... Yes. Uh, I think I think they're excellent. I do too. They they did one yesterday uh, about um, the like the the sit-in uh, protests, and this one was about uh, sanitation workers. Yeah, and and they're just like it's Roman Reigns, it's Titus O'Neil, it's Mark Henry, it's whoever was on that field trip, kind of talking about the lessons of you know whatever uh, whatever a lot of those memorials were were teaching, and they're fantastic because they're actually educational. I'm learning from them. Roman is clearly like you can tell he's very passionate about what he's talking about here and what he's learning here. So I like of any of these kind of like PR types of things that they've done. These are some of my favorites. The Bludgeon Brothers were out and they took on two unknown men that were never identified on the show. Harper killed one guy. The other tried to bail on the floor and Rowan killed him. There was an avalanche splash to both stacked in the corner and then. Power bomb to one, double crucifix bomb. The Bludgeon Brothers won in a minute 23. And then the yeah. Usos came out 
Uh, any thoughts on that minute and 23 no, seconds? No, I mean, just that these are these continue to be some really fun squashes. I mean, they have no real bearing on any storylines, but I, I just find them very entertaining to watch because I think the, the Bludgeon Brothers just do a great job of them. The Usos came out passing by the Bludgeon Brothers to keep that tease, and Tom Phillips threw to break stating, the champs are about to lay down the Uso street code. When we come back, and we came back, and the Bludgeon Brothers have uh, bludgeoned out of here, and the Usos laid down the Uso street code. Jay says that the Uso penitentiary, they aren't talking about being booked, fingerprinted, orange jumpsuits, cold showers, or assume the position. He also mentions sleeping on concrete for eight hours and ends it by saying, trust me, I know. And Jimmy says it's a state of mind that they run the prison. They'll split any teams like the Red Sea, and they go over all the transitions they've made from their team, their old catchphrases, their old look, the old moves they did into their modern uh, presentation. Even got in a head on a swivel line, and this was a tremendous promo from the Usos. Yeah, really good stuff. I, I find them continuing to kind of refine that formula of, of whatever, like this promo style uh, every single week. And, you know, it's it's interesting to watch as they progress because they're really, in my opinion, breaking new ground because I can't really recall another wrestling tag team doing this style of promo before. It's not so much wrestling influenced as it is battle rap or spoken word poetry influence. You know, that the swagger, the pacing, it's all, to me, very reminiscent of the vibe of a performance you'd see in a rap battle. And it, The Steiner again, brothers were just <laughs> not, had they been around now, this could have been wonderful. Yeah, sure. But, you know, because the style is so different, the crowd reaction is is kind of odd and awkward because it feels like the crowd is not fully engaging, even though I'm I'm firmly b- believing that they are captivated. And that they even probably like it. But I just think it's so new to a wrestling audience that patterns aren't necessarily built in for, for, for audiences to recognize. And so there really aren't expectations to fulfill yet. So at the end of it all, it just kind of feels a little lukewarm. But you know that this was good. In my opinion, again, I would like to see these guys inject a bit more of their sense of humor into these Make people laugh, and I think they'll start to, you know, remember you and, and feel like feel re- re- uh, like they can relate to you a little bit more. I still find them a little bit too serious, especially when you see how funny and personable Jimmy Uso can be on Divas or even uh, tonight's Mixed Match Challenge. Yeah, I, I don't have any issue with that. I, I like the fact that there isn't a whole lot of comedy with this. They come across as just great promos, and I like this change. Like, we always talk about such patterned styles of presentation in the WWE, and it is so hard to break away from that mold. So I think for promos like this, I I think most people can look at this and are enjoying it. And I think you should just, uh, I think the audience will eventually catch up to that, that these don't have to be uh, breaks for certain reactions. I just think it works, it's different, and it's totally been a godsend for these guys. I mean, a lot of changes they've made over the past year have greatly enhanced the this team and their promos have been a big reason so i see no reason to really deviate uh from this i think it's and they they have that ability if they need to 
adjust to a comedy setting or doing the rap battle with the new day. I mean, they're very, um, they're very flexible, I think with these characters as well. So anyway, I really enjoyed this. This was one of my favorite things on the show. Daniel Bryan was backstage to announce the first top 10 list from the voters, the esteemed voters of the SmackDown locker room. And this was the order from 10 to one. We had Ty Dillinger ranked 10th, Randy Orton, number nine, Becky Lynch, eighth, the Usos, the New Day, Bobby Roode, Naomi, Shinsuke Nakamura, Charlotte, and AJ Styles, who is number one. So I guess, first of all, Corey Graves, I think, was the the voice of most of the people who just called into question all these strange placements. And on the one hand, you're looking at, well, the two guys that are about to have a number one contenders match for the championship are not among the top 10, though the qualifier is that this is the locker room that is voting on this, and those two should be the most hated people in this locker room. Mm-hmm. I think the key, one of the keys of, of doing this is is to have the answers debate the choices. It What lists are supposed to do, they're supposed to incite debate. They're never supposed to be completely agreed upon. There's going to be something ridiculous. And I mean, this entire list was completely ridiculous. It was all baby faces. So, you know, uh, why, like, like Corey said, why did the New Day outrank the Usos? It's meant to cause conflict. And I think it's an interesting device that we haven't seen before. And I'm curious to see how they'll use it to work into storylines. Then we had uh, the New Day still on Twitter. And this time, Big E mentions that he gives Corey Graves a 6% chance in a street fight. Didn't mention with who, though. Mm-hmm. Just an open-ended street fight. Aiden English and Rusev did a promo in the gym. English mentioned that the ring is made of canvas because that is where art takes place. And then Rusev roared. Then we go into the ring, and English uh, sings the introduction here. This is accompanied by lyrics on the screen with a bouncing Rusev head as he insults Kansas City and their gift is a new U.S. champ because today is Rusev Day. What did you... Uh, I, I thought the the graphics this week with the words on the screen were terrible. Uh, I guess this would be the only argument you could have to have uh, text on the screen. But I, I hate these promos with the damn words on them. You mean the selfie promos? Oh, the selfie promos. I guess they didn't go overboard with the the in-program graphics like last week. We had no jail cell sound effects for the Usos yeah. tonight. But yeah, after oh. all the after all the lockdown stuff last week, th- this might have been the only graphical addition that I could get behind. To me, like Aiden English going out here, kind of doing his custom pair or whatever songs. Having the the bouncing Rusev head uh, in in karaoke form, captioning Rus- uh, Aiden English's song, I think it really works. To me, I think this actually adds to English's act, whereas the others uh, are really just unnecessary. So Rusev took on Bob Roode for the United States title. Went through a commercial break. Rusev caught him and hit a fallaway slam. Graves noted that if Roode were to lose this match. He would change his last name to Rudsev. 
Saxton asks, who are your sources, Corey? And then Graves provided a journalism lesson for Byron Saxton about never revealing your sources and then asks, asks Saxton to explain what a magnum opus is and then calls Byron a dummy. Rude then fights back, makes a comeback after being worn down forever. He went for the DDT, but English distracted him, leading to Rusev hitting him with a head kick for a near fall. We got two commercial breaks here during the match. Then Rude came back, hit a spine buster. Rusev caught him with an inside cradle, and then Rusev blocked this tornado DDT, landed a super kick, went for the accolade. That's blocked. There was this really shitty roll-up attempt by Rusev, and then Rude avoided another accolade with a snapmare, and then finally hit the glorious DDT, and Rude retained the title. Perhaps the crowd saw some like really amazing action between those commercial breaks because they came back louder after every single one. But like what I was able to watch and the pieces that I was able to on TV, the match just kind of came across okay to me. Um, so I don't know how you felt about it. Uh, the match was fine. I thought it was uh, the crowd got into it. And I think Rusev has definitely cooled off from where he was maybe a month ago when that seemed to really be growing. I think people kind of just see him in this slot now and that it's they aren't really going to do anything with him. He's just going to stay in this tag team. But I think it depends on the crowd. Like some towns are really behind him and then some towns are just kind of lukewarm. And this one, they kind of started off really behind him, like in that chain segment where they, they kind of mentioned him and duly noted. Um I found like in the match, it took a while for them to kind of get back to that. So I find them a little inconsistent. But uh, nonetheless, you know, I, I definitely think he does deserve a better place on the on the roster. So as Rude is posing in the spotlight in the ring after the match, out of nowhere comes Randy Orton, which you could see Rude's eyes just shift to the uh, to the left just to make sure Orton was coming and then nailed him with the RKO. And then he laid out English and Rusev with RKOs as well. So the ninth-ranked Randy Orton is looking to improve his standing. Yes, right. He's trying to be more better liked, I suppose. Great RKO out of nowhere. Some some great RKO segments this and last week. He's just RKOing everybody. What, who, what do you think his program is coming up? This felt like Bobby Roode is his next uh, program. I mean, he then he the- took out. He took out everybody, though. Yeah, but why Why do you – English and Rusev aren't ranked. Why are you going to waste time? Don't punch down. True, right. Who Who did he take out last week? You remember? Nope. Okay. I don't recall. But I know – no, he wasn't even on the show last week, I don't think. He RKO'd somebody last week, didn't he? I don't think it was last week. I seem to recall last week he wasn't even on the show. But Okay. Anyway. Please let us know, everybody. Please, Every single person, please let us know. Then after that segment, we went to Benjamin and Gable for a promo with their own board, just like Brizongo. Called them buffoons and clowns with a bunch of photos on the wall. And they are here to bring prestige back to the tag division. And the only mystery is how Brizongo are still in their division. And they knock down this board and say, you've got the jokes We've got the punchlines and calls himself the weapons of tag destruction. And thankfully, in case you uh, did not understand the words coming out of their mouths, the screen had your had your back here and provided all of this on the screen for you. Mm-hmm. It was two weeks ago and it was uh, Nakamura. OK, so there you go. 
maybe he's realized Nakamura's out of reach now. Mm-hmm. Lower your expectations. Go for the U.S. title. Shelton and Chad Gable took on the Ascension. This was Connor's birthday, and I kind of felt bad. I was like writing down here that Connor looks like a well-stocked refrigerator. He just looks so thick here, and it turns out it's his birthday. Do you know how old this guy was turning today? Guess his age. Um, maybe 30... 33? 38 years old is Connor. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's a, he's an older fella. That's not that old. Mm. That's like four or four years away from that. Okay, we're not younger either. I'm not saying yeah, we're, that, we're I'm not saying we're young. That is true. Today I decided to look up the ages of um the cast from from American Pie. Oh god. And they're all like in their late 30s slash like early 40s or sorry, late 30s early 40s, yeah. Is there anyone so, who was like deceptively Older than you assumed? Not or really. They're all in that range. Yeah. There was a double chop block to the knees of Connor, and then Gable worked on the knee. Gable stopped him. Eventually, a hot tag was made to Victor, who got to fire up for like the first time ever in his WWE tenure. Mm-hmm. Uh, tossed Benjamin to the floor, and then the chaos theory was hit to Victor as Benjamin made the blind tag. They hit their finish with Victor clotheslined off the shoulders of Benjamin and they pinned him at 348. Not much crowd reaction for this, uh, but it was a good exhibition for Gable and Benjamin. It This feud also kind of f- feels like a time filler uh, for, for this team, but they continue to look really good in the ring, and I still kind of want them to start naming some of their moves. Um, actually, I thought Ascension looked really good here too, but, you know, this, 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 they are where they are for the moment. You know what I was thinking about during this show was – starting to look at like different people's slot for WrestleMania and just thinking of what we were talking about two or three weeks ago before the Royal Rumble and all the ideas we had about Becky Lynch about, you know, she's believable. She could win the Rumble and they could do that great feud Mm -hmm. with Charlotte. And we fast forward to today and I don't know, like Becky doesn't even fit in anywhere at the moment. Like all this stuff has happened now with the women and it just seems Mm -hmm. like this car that sped past Becky Lynch. And I imagine there's going to be some multi-women's, like some version of, of something like an Andre Battle Royal for the women just to get everybody who, yeah, who doesn't I mean, have a match she'll on the have show. a role on the card. It just doesn't mm-hmm. seem like it'll be anything notable. Yeah, well, look at all the players that are involved, though. You know, you have Asuka, Charlotte, I mean, um, Ronda Rousey, even though she might not necessarily be involved with the division. Um, but... People like a Naomi or a Becky just kind of feel like they don't have mm, yeah. the level of star power that the others do. Well, when you figure, okay, let's assume Rousey's in her own match mm-hmm. of some sort, and then you have the two title matches. I think you could see Sasha and Bailey on the show. That's four separate women's matches, and then probably a fifth that could be... I made the joke about the fabulous Moolah Memorial Battle Royal. That very well could happen, and the, mm-hmm. the rest of the women are all put in there. And that's yeah. where your Beckys and your Naomi's fall into place at WrestleMania. It's unfortunate for some of them, but that's kind of the reality. It's a it, huge roster. It is a big roster. The New Day tweets continue. It, it uh, asks them who is going to win between Zayn and Owens. They don't care. They hope they fight forever in traffic. And then they're asked, who would be ranked the highest among the three of you? And they all agreed Kofi would be. What a bunch of great guys. They're just all on the same page. They're like, yeah, Kofi. Definitely Kofi. 
Sami Zayn is interviewed by Renee right before going out for the main event. Tonight's his opportunity to step out of the shadow of Kevin Owens. He's won all the titles, and even as best friends, they have fought each other all over the place, and Owens will stop at nothing, and nor will he. Mixed match challenge promos. This was weird. We got Goldust and Mandy Rose as Rose Gold. That must have taken all day. Great name. Yeah, great. It's the combination of both put together. Rose gold is, a, is an actual thing. What's rose gold? I've never heard it's, of it. It's a color. It's like a pinkish gold. Oh, okay. Like like a, like a It's like a, a color that you'll often see for like jewelry. Like, you know, the iPhone comes in rose gold. Does it? Yeah. Wow. My opinion's completely changed now. Mm-hmm. G- Jimmy, it was funny. Jimmy and Naomi did like a spoof on the old gold dust promos on Monday. So mm-hmm. now... Goldust and Mandy Rose did like a spoof on the spoof by taking it back and pretty much did the same promo Jimmy and Naomi did on Monday. Yeah, yeah. They uh, tried to retort against one another, and uh, that was this. Yeah. Next week, Way. Huge, huge news. For the first time in seven weeks, Dolph Ziggler's back on SmackDown, and he's taking on Baron Corbin. Sign me up. I've never seen an advertised match that I feel is more of a warning than a promotion. What a what a what a nothing match yeah. to try and draw you in next week. You got plans on Tuesday yeah, night? I'm done. Make them. Oh, first I, time I, I look. I kind of look forward to like a a Dolph Ziggler tell all or like a shoot interview at the end of his run where he can tell us his thoughts on exactly what's going on at this point in his career. Cause I, I can't imagine that he's happy. I want a book on tape. So we get his yelling promos uh, style. Mm-hmm. Sure. Not even an interview, like nothing to explain why he walked out, why he left this. Like what's the motivation of this guy coming back to face Baron Corbin? What are you coming back for? Mm-hmm. Like in, in this idea are you coming back for a paycheck? Are you coming back to move your your standing in the rankings? What are you coming back for? Because you walked out on a championship, so clearly that was not a motivation for you. I have no idea what's going on with this character. I refuse to care about him. Mm-hmm. So then we go to the main event. Sami Zayn taking on Kevin Owens with AJ Styles on commentary. And they started off being respectful, but then it broke down after Zayn hit a double leg and they went through the commercial break arguing. Owens hit an insiguri into a neck breaker and then as he went for the cannonball, Zayn stopped him. Owens then blocked an exploder, so the idea was each knows the other inside out. Zayn did this Greco-Roman knuckle lock into this uh, seamless tornado DDT. Uh, they went to the floor. Zayn did his diving tornado DDT through the turnbuckles, landed it. Inside the ring, he went for the Haluva kick, but ran into an Owens super kick. And then Owens followed with a frog splash. And Owens yells at him, I'm the one that wins titles. And then Zayn avoided the pop-up powerbomb, hit the half-Nelson suplex, followed by the blue thunderbomb for a near fall. And then for whatever reason, Zayn decided to get into the face of AJ Styles. And he's goading him. AJ gets up and nails Zayn, strikes both of them, and the bell rings. And the match is thrown out. Yeah, that asshole. AJ, ruined a great match. 
Well, this was just, it was so unprovoked. Like on anyone's part here. AJ did mm-hmm. nothing during the match to draw the attention of Zayn. Like why, why was Zayn even caring here? What an idiot. Um, I guess, I don't he, know. I guess he got his match. I don't know. So. I, fa- I, fa- I found all this kind of a little bit lazy. Yeah, Styles lays out both on the floor, and Daniel Bryan comes out to announce that due to the superlative performances of Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, both will compete for the title at Fastlane in a triple threat match. Yeah. Great. I, I can't imagine anybody being excited for this match. They're really wearing this combination thin. It's We essentially saw the exact same match last week. Uh, sorry, last month uh, for, for at the Rumble. I mean, I at least had some weapons in there. Give me a steel cage or a ladder or something, you know? I, I, to me, it's just uh, the combination of AJ, Zayn, and Owens is is just something we, we're watching week after week now. And I I just can't get excited about this match, as great as all these performers are. Yeah, it just doesn't feel as though... I mean, these feel like the... The pawns in the Daniel Bryan Shane McMahon power struggle, and I don't think that's how your championship title picture uh, should be. Uh, and yeah, they've they've gone very far with this, and we're really not. Yeah, I guess I don't. It's have also to watch that. it's also like week after week of non finish, you know. Um, and to this one, I thought was one of the lazier ones. Where just he, it's AJ just. He talked to me. I'm going to punch him, and I'm going to cause a DQ, and we get out. So to me, uh, this didn't feel like it was – it was a great matchup until that point. I mean I thought Zane and Owens, as always, have great chemistry. This week it felt like both were kind of pulling out their bigger moves. Zane doing a lot more of his babyface offense, including a, a, you know that tornado DDT through the corner. Um, they're going to have a great match, I have no doubt. It's just hard for me to get excited for it as a pay-per-view main event, which I can see this being. Yeah, I think the other reluctance, I feel, is that I don't think most people take Sami Zayn as a, as a main event guy. And what I mean is that I think everyone understands where Styles is going at WrestleMania, and I don't think anyone believes at the Rumble or at Fastlane that they would be flipping the title onto any of these guys. So it's kind of just... Yeah, it'll be a good match, but it's just it's just filling time. That's what this program feels like for all these three until they get into their WrestleMania programs, which we're not going to see any title switching, and it's gone on for a long time, and no one buys Sami Zayn winning the title, and no one thinks it makes sense for Kevin Owens to win the title at this point. Mm. Yeah, I feel like all that is even okay because, like, I mean, it's this is kind of really one of the tougher times to convince people that there's there's going to be a title switch, especially if you have Shinsuke saying, I'm going to beat you, AJ, week after week. Um, they need to figure out a way to, to add some suspense in there or at the very least uh, some guarantee that the match that we're going to see between these three is going to be different enough from what we've seen prior. And that's, to me, again, a perfect opportunity for you to add a stipulation, add a ladder, add a cage, add um infernal match, whatever. You know, something just a little bit different. Because as a pay- match, that should be the blow-off. Because yeah. as a pay-per-view main event, I just find it quite weak. So, you know, my question to you is, what else do you think will fill, fill the rest of this Fastlane card? Oh, um, Charlotte and Ruby Riot. 
Or maybe Charlotte against all three of them. Uh, the Usos yeah. and the Bludgeon Brothers. Randy Orton and don't, don't you think they would save that? What? Romania? Which? Bludgeon Usos Brothers are... and the Usos? Yeah. That's a long time. Do you think they can hold off on that match for two months? What else are they going to do for the Usos? I don't know if the Usos are going to have their own... Like, again, when I look at that tag division, I see that as being one where I don't know if you're just going to get a straight-up title match at WrestleMania. That could be another one where it's like all the teams thrown in together. I think they should. I mean, I think the Usos should. Look what happened to them last year. Them and American Alpha, they just decided, now we're not going to do this at WrestleMania. So they weren't even on the card. But they've had a much better year this year, though. You know, if 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 you're claiming them, if you're trying to promote them as the best tag team in the company, they should have a match. Well, when so. look, we ju- we just listed off potentially four women's matches. That's just the women's matches. So this card fills up really quickly, and unfortunately, some people just become odd people out. So I mean, they could. I just I don't know if you can stretch that one for two months. Maybe you can. I mean, Fastlane is we got four weeks until Fastlane to to go until. Yeah, Fastlane really is a tough one because there's really not that much drama, especially on the SmackDown side, when you've already established the main event uh, for WrestleMania, and you don't even have Asuka there. The, you know, the person that is supposed to challenge your women's champion is not there, so everybody else in the women's division kind of feels like, you know, bit players that don't have any role in the in the main storyline. I think one of my issues with both Raw and SmackDown at the moment is that, yes, we have some direction for WrestleMania. It's not like there's nothing. But I feel that there's there's so many people that you don't even see hints of what is being built to. And what you can see, some of it isn't even all that appealing outside mm-hmm. of you have your Styles Nakamura, you know about Lesnar Reigns, and then... And then you have the women's stuff, which some of it's interesting. But when you're looking, there's so many, uh, like Randy Orton's, for instance, like all these different things where you don't feel like we're two months out and we're at the midpoint where these programs are going to peak in two months. It feels as though we got to get through these secondary pay-per-views and then we'll start the build for four weeks up until WrestleMania. Mm. And Hmm. the current just – this television it just doesn't feel as like this is the hot season at the moment certainly not like i'm not kidding when i say that i was looking more forward to the stuff after smackdown and that'll continue to be the case next week because i was far more entertained by the stuff after smackdown than smackdown itself in my opinion not to say this was that bad of a show it was just kind of another it was a skippable show quite frankly yeah, I didn't take too much. I, I enjoyed the opening segment. I enjoyed the Usos promo a lot, and those are my standouts. I mean, Rusev and Bobby Roode had a fine match, but nothing I would recommend. Hardly anything at the level I saw on 205 Live. That's mm-hmm. become the standout show. It has. Why don't you take us first through the mixed match challenge? We'll go in order here. Sure. So week four of the mixed match challenge, is that right? Yes. Week four of the Mixed Match Challenge this week, we've got the team of Jimmy Uso and Naomi, a real-life couple, taking on the team of, as John mentioned, Rose Gold. Rose Gold. So clever. Great, great name, in my opinion. Don't you agree? Yes. So in their entrance, uh, Gold Dust kind of does the directing thing, pretends she, he's directing Mandy Rose. Like, if you remember back 
um, several several months ago when Goldust was kind of te- teasing, introducing somebody, introducing her new his new starlet. I it never paid off. We have no idea who it was supposed to be, but I can only imagine it, it would have been set for somebody like Mandy Rose because um, she really would have been perfect in that role. So we got Rose Gold coming out. Um, the fans throughout the day voted on who the special guest referee was going to be for this match. And it was between Kurt Angle and Daniel Bryan. And the fans chose Daniel Bryan. Um, he really added nothing. It was just kind of, I think, a way to just, I don't know, add some extra engagement to your Facebook or whatever. Daniel Bryan is kind of going through this awkward phase where his hair is not short, but it's not long. It's just ugly. And he knows this quite quite clearly because for the Mixed Match Challenge, the man has decided to tie his hair up into the ugliest knot you'll ever see. This is not even like man bun. Like I'd prefer a man bun to this. This was – I don't know what this was. The, the worst Daniel Bryan has ever looked. Clearly he doesn't care about Facebook. Jimmy Uso, uh, to start the match, he starts doing a jig and Goldust starts doing a jig. And Daniel Bryan does it too. So you kind of establish tone for this for this right there. Um, there's a headlock, tackle, drop down, leapfrog sequence. And at the end of it all, Goldust pauses, puts his hands on his knees and says, just a second, you know I'm a lot older than you. And he just takes his time taking a breath. Audience laughs. Goldust was kind of leading this, doing a lot of talking. And... Um, Character acting and the announcers completely let it breathe. They they didn't speak up uh, and let the participants in the match kind of do their scene. The fans chant at Goldust, you still got it. Goldust says, I never lost it. <laughs> Rose at one point holds his hand out from the, the corner for Goldust to kiss. And then Goldust kisses her hand. And then he looks over at Jimmy and Naomi and he says, that's what teams do. So then Naomi and Jimmy respond, and then they uh, Jimmy kisses his wife's hand, and he says, oh, yeah, we a team too, and they kiss each other's hand. And then to outdo them, Rose Gold hug each other, and then Jimmy and Naomi respond, and they hug each other, and each one gets a reaction. And then Jimmy and Naomi try to one-up them, and they kiss. Now, the expectation at this point is set from the crowd to see Goldust and Mandy Rose kiss. So the crowd is chanting, yes, 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 for Goldust to kiss Mandy Rose. Goldust pauses the match, decides to ask Jimmy Uso if his breath is okay. So he blows his breath on Jimmy Uso, and, and Jimmy Uso is like, yeah, your breath's cool, man. Go, go for it. And Brian is trying to encourage, encourage the crowd. He's, he's getting them to chant yes. So Goldust walks over the, for the kiss. <laughs> he's about to get it. And then Jimmy Uso schoolboys in oh however brian refuses to count he he's to me this was bad officiating you count this was come on this was perfectly fair instead brian begins a no chance says this was very unsportsmanlike i thought it was very funny and it totally worked with this crowd it was very well built up naomi and mandy finally tag in um mandy touches naomi's hair naomi gets really angry and comes comes back just with a with a lot of aggressive offense Lana and Rusev are watching in the back. We cut to them uh, doing, I guess, the fan in- interaction thing. And maybe I, I only I noticed, or maybe I, it's all in my head. But for a brief second, 
I could have sworn that Lana forgot her accent and she was just talking like normally before she like she paused and realized, oh, she, oh yeah, I'm Russian. It's very funny. Well, it's, so Man- it, it happens. Yeah. Mandy Rose is on the offensive. She she delivers a, a great deal of power moves. Um, Jimmy Uso is complaining that Mandy is pulling his wife's hair and Mandy goes to the corner, slaps Jimmy Uso. Finally, Jimmy Uso gets the hot tag, Samoan drop, uh, Umaga direct, wrecking ball in the corner. Uh, tandem Enzigiris from Naomi and Jimmy Uso. And then Rose and Goldust respond with tandem power slams. It was a fun kind of stereo sequence. Then Goldust hits crossroads onto Jimmy Uso. Not his final cut. I could have sworn it was crossroads. So, um, yeah, that was kind of interesting. But Naomi makes a save. Mandy slaps Naomi. Naomi chases Mandy around the ring. Mandy hides behind Goldust, but Naomi Pescado's over Goldust to take Naomi out. Back in the ring, rear view from Naomi to Goldust, and Jimmy Uso lands a big splash to give them the win. I had very low expectations for this. I thought in terms of like a comedy match, I didn't think they were going to top um, uh, last week's match. But to me, like they, this match greatly exceeded my expectations. I don't know if they topped it or not, but it was still a lot of fun. Uh, they managed kind of to hit, really hit a tone for these types of matches for the Mixed Match Challenge that we never really get to see on TV. And that's very much comedy-based, a very loose feeling, and... A lot of fun. They always engage these crowds. And so, uh, yeah, this was another, to me, a good week for this. At the end uh, of this all, Rusev and Lana come out. Rusev says, they're not going to be out here to sing songs next week. Unless it's, Lana is the best. Lana number one. I'm, I'm doing a terrible impression. So, like, Rusev actually, like, leads this song. And the crowd actually sings along. <laughs> So then Lana says next week they're going to crush their opponents next week, Elias and Bailey, and that they will celebrate a ravishing Rusev day. I've really missed these two together, Rusev and Lana. Uh, we get a video response from Elias and Bailey. Elias plays guitar, and Bailey tries to sing over the top of it, and then Elias stops playing. He says, Why don't you leave the singing to me? And then Bailey says, Can I get a hug at least? And Elias says, No. And she walks away. I, I like I, I'm impressed at how most of these these teams have managed to kind of find some really fun chemistry with one another. Even to me, a throwaway tag team like Mandy Rose and Goldust, which was wasn't even supposed to be a tag team initially, they seem to put a great deal of thought and creative energy into their one lone appearance on this show. So, I mean, I would actually love to see Rose and Goldust as a, a permanent thing, much like you know, not necessarily Braun and Alexa, but. I, I do definitely see potential. Like she, Rose is doing fine as part of Absolution, but if she ever becomes a single star, like Goldust as, as Rose's manager, sort of as a reverse of like what Marlena used to be for him, I think could be an interesting act. Did you hear that Terry Runnels wanted to do that at the anniversary show? Was come out with Goldust as Marlena, and they turned her down. That would have been a lot of fun. That would have been a great nod. Like, especially if, I mean, that would have been a great segment for the Manhattan Center. But, um, yeah, maybe uh, they didn't want to give her that airtime. Terry Runnels was too creative for that night's festivities. Well, her with, like, even Dana Brooke, they took a photo together. And that was pretty funny because of, of, like, the Alexandra York Right. Thing. Yeah. She could have done multiple things. Instead, she came out and she waved. Mm. All right. Well, let's get into 205 Live. Uh, it started off 
with Kalisto taking on Lince Dorado as the tournament continued. And Vic Joseph said, well, Nigel, we are going to see some good lucha things tonight. <laughs> as Kalisto made his Bye. entrance. Awesome. We had an Instagram video from Kalisto saying the Lucha house party will continue and Lince is still his boy. The Lucha thing should be the name of that team. I Come know. On. It shouldn't be Lucha house party. I mean, he should just like he should have made. I, did, he, did he make a T-shirt out of it? I don't know if he did. Or. He should have just ran with that thing. He should have made it an intentional part of his promo. Like people, it was a fuck up. Yes. But like the way that thing, I think, took off. He really could have like profited from it, you know. There was actually another video I saw earlier in the day, and it was with um, it was with Lince Dorado, and he ends up cutting this like great promo, and uh, he's he's with uh, Cedric Alexander in the video, and it's like a great promo from Lince, who never wow. has spoken on this show at all. It was just decent promo. But this did not air on the show. When 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 we saw him speak on the on the CWC, the man like did not sound impressive at all. So um, I, I I wish I could maybe I'll go back and, and watch that. I mean, it's nothing uh, to write home about, but it was like no, it was a fine promo. It's like for all these selfie promos, this was something that um, you know could have just been thrown in there for give this mm-hmm. guy uh, some kind of a speaking representation that he never gets. They shake hands, and Dorado holds on to the handshake as they look at the WrestleMania sign glowingly. The sign looking was like oh, really, much. really, much. really forced here. I mean, I think Ronda Rousey uh, might be the bar at which uh, we consider um, that was that was really forced. Uh, but Lindsay Dorado isn't that far behind. This was this was kind of very obvious. Dorado crashed into the desk on the floor, then followed that up with another dive, uh, taking out Kalisto on the floor. Then uh, it built up here where every time Kalisto was trying to get any offense in, he would be cut off by Dorado. And then they got onto the top turnbuckle, and Dorado hit a super hurricane rana from the top. This looked nuts. Very nicely executed. Yeah. And then they struggled to their feet, and the only thing that helped them have enough power to get to their feet was gazing at that WrestleMania sign that was just shining down on them as they looked and they struggled and their eyes were just transfixed on this WrestleMania sign. I, I don't, I mean, I think in theory, the device is really great. You know, you need uh, something to visually show their motivation. Right. And this is, you know, this is what they're fighting for at this point in this tournament. It's not just to win the Cruiserweight title. It's to get on WrestleMania. And it's it's kind of nice. It's just... Uh, the kickoff is within reach. Well, you kid, but to, to Lince Dorado, even getting on the kickoff is a huge deal. To Kalisto, even getting on the kickoff is a huge deal. I'll bring that up when the stadium is 90% empty because the doors haven't been open for 20 minutes. And these guys have to go out to the Dude, ring. Lance Storm has a photo of his heat match from the Skydome WrestleMania hanging on his office in his gym. Okay? And that was a heat match. This this would be the same. For somebody who's never who will never get on a WrestleMania card, even being on the kickoff is a big deal. Uh well, he had people in that stadium. I mean, this has been a trend of these 
first match on the kickoff, and the guys have not been happy about having to go out in front of nobody and and have their match. So if given the choice, you think you would turn it down? No, I'm not saying you're going to turn it down, but I think let's uh, let's uh, let's cool it on the uh, the prestige of what this is going to end up being. I- I'm all for this tournament. I just wish there was a. I-, I hope it's just not buried on the kickoff, and this is something that gets ten minutes on the kickoff, and that's it. Oh, it'll definitely be on the kickoff. The whole point is to resurrect this title, and your the slotting of it in that kind of a position tells me, well, you're not all that serious about this. Anyway. Match continues. Uh, some great stuff here. Kalista did this wheelbarrow into this package slam off the turnbuckle. Then we had the springboard stunner by Dorado and followed with a shooting star press, but Kalisto rolled out to the floor, avoiding the pin. They return. Kalisto catches him with the Salida del Sol, and on the three count, Lince grabs the bottom rope to stop the count. And then Kalisto springboards backwards off the middle rope onto his shoulders and gives a reverse Rana to Dorado, who just flips over, doesn't go all the way over, but still looked fine, and then instantly into the Salida del Sol to pin him in 1137. I thought this ending sequence was just nuts. It was awesome. I thought the whole the match was great. I mean, I'm, I'm going to say, like, the, certainly the best match maybe either man has had on the main roster. And, and, I mean, for Dorado, I don't think that's such a big deal, but even for... Um, uh, Kalisto. Um, it's hard for me to at least remember another singles match, even maybe a tag match that the that the guy has had better. It wasn't a perfect match, but I thought it was spectacular. It showcased a style that that you don't often see on WWE TV with a great deal of high flying and, and lucha things. Um, Can you I, imagine these two matches at a takeover? Dude, like, yeah, completely. Both of these matches would fit in perfectly either on a TakeOver or, or a CWC or even a, a Battle of Los Angeles, you know? It was that style, and I think the style that we've all come to expect from the, C, uh, the 205 Live that they're finally delivering. Nigel, I thought, was just great. Like, he he treats 205 Live like it's the main event every single week. He knows all their moves, does a ton of research for all these guys, Um I love the fact that he's he's able to pick up on small things too, like when Nigel caught Dorado saying, "I need it," right before hitting his finisher, the the golden rewind. I mean, again, there's a story in this match. Both men want to get to WrestleMania, and Nigel was able to to pick up on that. So thank you. Um, I, I like to me, it just felt like this was a match where the two were were uncuffed and they were able to go out there and do what they wanted. Yeah, I agree, and. That should be the role on 205 Live. It should be these guys can go out and have matches like this because nothing's going to follow this, and they should be able to have these these blow-away matches. And I think that the two-match setup on 205 Live is perfect. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that's the right amount. Um, then we had a feature on Roderick Strong. This was essentially highlights of the vignettes they ran on NXT last year on Roderick. Then Cedric Alexander and Mustafa Ali had a promo backstage where Ali snuck up from behind on Cedric and Cedric said, it's all fun and games until someone's lumbar gets checked. They calls him Seti. Seti. Then we had a sit down where TJP walked into an empty room and took a seat and he scanned some tweets last week of people not uh, happy about his way of defeating Tyler Bate. And he stated that, he lived and died on the idea he was doing speci- something special for everyone in the CWC. But this time, in this tournament, he's doing it for himself. 
Can't really say anything negative about this one. <laughs> it would make my life if one day TJP does this again and he pulls up a tweet from at I am John Pollock about him. <laughs> Someone not a fan of my delivery. Well, au contraire. I got so excited when I saw him sit down here. I was like, oh, this is going to be great. But it was actually just, you know, it, was a, it was just short. I mean, it wasn't good. It wasn't yes. bad. Yes. Next week, they announced Akira Tozawa versus Mark Andrews. And then we went into a feature of Mark Andrews with uh, recycled footage from the UK tournament. And about two different mentions during this 30-second package of Michael Cole informing us he likes to have fun. Mm, he yes. likes to have fun. Yeah, I'm sure he does. Yeah. Well, who doesn't? Like, who who out there actively hates enjoyment? Um, like, there's moody people out there. I'm sure. Yeah. But I, I like. Is there anyone that has an awful time having fun? Some people, yeah. Well, I guess Mark Andrews is not one of them. Uh, we shouldn't be so critical, okay, of the fact that they're doing video packages, right? No, this was a great thing. This and the Roddy thing. They're, it's uh, yeah, it is all recycled footage, but so what? You know, like we we haven't seen this for a long time, and there are probably people who haven't seen this. These were a million times more effective than a, a selfie promo with Mark Andrews. Although, Akira Tozawa's selfie promo. I'll disagree. Of all the selfie promos. Tozawa is the guy I, I, I'm kind of enjoying. Yeah. Uh, he asks this production guy who's going to win next week, and the guy says, Andrews. He says, no, I'm going to win, and then you're fired. And, <laughs> and, I, he, I, does I, this, and he does the strut. I, I just love the fact that he holds the phone all the way up in the air, so he looks like he's just so tiny. <laughs> I don't know why I enjoy it, but I, I enjoy these Tozawa promos. Uh, his his promos. This is like the third one we've had from him, and the more he does them, the more I like him because um, him doing like "You're fired" is just so weird. But man, the guy does it with great. Like of all, I would say certainly more more so than Tommy. Um, not as much as Asuka, but I think better even better than Shinsuke. Akira Tozawa is somebody who's been able to convey his personality. You know, well, maybe the guy has has the best English too, so maybe that that's part of the reason as well. But um, I I think he's done a great job with these selfie things. Then we go backstage, and by the way, Tozawa and Andrews that should be a great match next. Yes, time. yes. Like two hundred five live is like in short order has become a a really fun show to follow each week. It is finally reaching its potential, and I think the fact that they are stacking it with star power. Star power to like the audience who would watch this show. Not necessarily star power for like a SmackDown, but like star power for the people who watch 205 or the CWC or people who watch NXT makes a huge difference. Like if this was just a tournament between like, no offense, but like, you know, a Drew Kulak, Tony Nese, Brian Kendrick, who cares, right? But they're putting in fresh faces of guys that we, we all like and we know are, are great. Do you see any kind of parallel between 205 Live and impact in that here are two shows that have been relatively written off by people that are Mm -hmm. starting at completely ground zero to try and rebuild something and find an audience for and i mean Mm -hmm. they're not it's it's very hard to compare a 45 minute show with a two-hour show and its impact is a promotion in and of itself 
But yeah. I think that, like, I watch Impact, and it just it feels like a show that is still like ten years behind when it comes to presenting pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. And with 205 Live, I think they were stuck in a time warp of how to present these performers and these matches. And I'm watching these two different shows at the same time try and do the same thing. Yeah, right. And, uh, and yeah. cater to a niche audience. Well, certainly both uh, both are in need of rehabbing. Um, I think 205 Live is very well on its way to achieving that. Uh, Impact, I mean, it's kind of different because like, I would say if – for 205 Live, there's a lot less at stake. I mean, in the end, it's only a network show. Impact, I think, probably has a bit more pressure to be successful because they are, you know, that show is is the entire company, right? So I don't know if they they can go completely, you know, book all the indie talent and let's make a show for the hardcore wrestling fan. I don't know. I, I feel like they should. I think that's what's hot right now, but... I don't know if they – I don't know. Maybe that's not you know, not the most profitable formula for them. Uh, but 205 Live, there's a lot less at stake. I think you just need to make a show that will please that hardcore fan who's a fan of NXT, the, the type of fan who buys your network. So um, I think they are doing that, and I'm glad. It, it is crazy when you think about a year ago of just – had impact made some different decisions that there's a very good chance that they would have had the Hardys. They would have Mm. had access to the young bucks. Probably Cody Rhodes would have stuck around there after he came in and what impact could have done in 2017 had a few different decisions been made. Perhaps. Yeah. All hindsight, of course. But I mean, there's, there's still a whole lot of other stuff too. Like, you know, the, the Borash, um, um, Josh Matthews, things were going on. Like, it would still be, yeah, who, who's to say? It's it's impossible to kind of go back and see what, yeah. what could have been. Maverick Drake is in the office. and Drake Maverick. Oh, is it Drake Maverick. Sorry. <laughs> I wrote it Maverick Drake. I don't care. Drew Gulak and Tony Nese enter. And... Maverick asks Gulak, what happened to the rugged grappler who turned into this PowerPoint guy and became a goof? He refers to Tony as muscles, but it's all wasted. He says, congratulations, you've got abs, and says they are the most wasted potential on the 205 Live roster, and they just want to be comedy acts, but says that train has left the station. Subtle reference to the former faction. Ah, and nice. this is a new 205 Live, and he announces Tony Nese versus Drew Gulak next week in the tournament and get out of my office. I thought Drake Maverick or Maverick Drake was – this guy has been, I think, yeah. one of the most underrated signings of recent memory for the WWE. I am, uh, I have been very impressed with him. Well, I remember watching him at, on Impact. I don't remember him being this good. I do. Like, he he when he was Dixie's assistant and the stuff mm-hmm. with Ethan Carter, I don't know how he fell off the map so much the last couple of years with TNA because he did show this ability to be a great promo and to me was severely underutilized and is I, I'm not surprised by him doing so well here already, but mm-hmm. he has walked into this 
fairly decent role in WWE and mm-hmm. to me has knocked it out of the park so far. It, it, that there's something to be said about that too because yes it really is a great role for him uh he the man like is just plays a great motivational speaker and i think like he could have easily come in here played comedy guy you know just like goofy gm hey look at me you know uh but instead like he is now the representative of this new serious 205 live and this segment was awesome like what a mission statement he brought in drew gulak and tony Nese and basically bitch slapped the wwe versions of those characters he wants to bring back the submission expert drew uh drew gulak even though i really like the the no fly zone drew gulak but maybe that person doesn't fit as well on on this 205 live i really like the the serious wrestler drew gulak as well and same with the tony Nese. so I, you know, I think I'm loving this. I'm loving Drake Maverick's role. I would say even if he didn't have this, he, the man has a great future as a manager in, on the main roster. So, uh, yeah, I really, I really like the idea of them just shedding away this old sports entertainment image. Then we had a Hideo Itami promo backed up with graphics. This is his home. Roderick Strong doesn't belong here. And I'm going to WrestleMania, where the logo appeared on the screen. Yeah, this is awful. Oh, my God. <laughs> this is really bad. This is so bad. Yeah, I mean, listen. This man, I know, has been working, um, living in America for, what, like four years now? Working on his English promo, I would assume, for four years. And if this is what it's amounted to, I'm sorry. Like, no wonder he's on 205 Live. This was... Nothing. This was like day one of promo class level. So I was very disappointed with this. Nigel mentions how he's known Roderick Strong for 20 years and early in their careers, they discussed wrestling at WrestleMania. Now Roderick has that chance. Um, I, I thought Nigel, you mentioned the, the last match. I thought he really stood out in, in this one mm-hmm. myself, like just with the history with Roderick Strong and also knowing uh, history. Yeah, it was yeah. really good. Um, there was even, I mean, even Roderick clearly very familiar with him because he landed this pump handle backbreaker and yelled, come on, Kenta, come on, Hideo. <laughs> he thought he was still in ROH. Yeah, he was, uh, he was having flashbacks. At this point, I mean, I would really welcome a name, name change for Hideo Itami back to Kenta because I feel like this version of Hideo Itami is just, he's not doing it for me. And not to say a, a name change would even do anything, it just... I don't know. I, I I miss the old Kenta. Are you maybe thinking of our tag team of Rick O'Shea with my original idea of Kenneth Ta? <laughs> Kenneth Taylor, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, we had uh, Roderick hit. Not a Minoru Suzuki level drop kick, but not far off it. Drop kick right to the face. There was a point in this match where these two just said, "Let's go all in here and just mm-hmm. lay in our offense with one another." Mm-hmm. And that's always uh, frightening with a Tommy at times. Uh, there was a running boot from him uh, into a flying clothesline. They, they were doing all this great stuff, and it was building really well. Like you could see, these guys were going a significant period of time, and. Unfortunately, this audience just 
really didn't get into things until maybe right near the end. Yeah. Like they had sat through a lot, but I just I just imagined this match in front of a hotter crowd. Oh. And I think people would have been losing their mind over this. Completely. Yeah, completely. Like 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 I said, you know, this match would have fit in perfectly on any of the best takeovers, any any of the best of the CWC or anywhere on the indies or any ROH show, and I think it would have been tremendous. And it was just so disheartening seeing these guys go out there, kill themselves, and seeing dudes in the front row on, on their, their phone, on their phones or not even looking up, you know? I really I've, enjoyed this match. Dude, this, this match was, this awesome. was hand, hands down, the second straight week where it was the two oh five live to me, this was the real main event. Like, it was. I was. It was. I was. I was looking forward to this match the most out of anything on Tuesday night, and I thought it delivered, man. Like, it. It was great. It's like it's. It feels like two hundred five live is finally living up to to what it was. It's supposed to be. And it was anyway. Yeah, uh, it was just Hideo's like big offense, the big striking. Roderick was working on the back, including this power bomb onto or he just lifted and threw him to the edge of the apron that just looked devastating. Um Strong end up uh hits the stronghold and gets uh, goes for the stronghold and Hideo just hits him with these up kicks to the face. Atami locked on the rings of Saturn, the octopus rings of Saturn submission that he's been using. Strong got to the rope break. And then we ha- had a super Falcon arrow by Atami for a near fall, spinning back fist, baseball slide, drop kick, and then Strong catches him with a flying knee and the end of heartache, and he wins. I think a legitimate surprise to most that Roderick won this match, 17 minutes and two seconds, and outstanding match, just uh, unfortunate crowd. Like, it was just, mm-hmm. um, to me, it was the match still overcame the crowd for my enjoyment. Um, it's just unfortunate that it was... Like, you could not have had a more polar opposite of in-ring match versus crowd reaction. Yeah. At this point, like, I'm wondering what you could do about that. The obvious answer is to put these matches before SmackDown, but look at this type of match. There's no way. I think you just go with this formula way, and you just, you have to look at this as an investment that this is going to be a slow process to get people back into things, because I think over time, these matches will help get these guys over, and you'll you should always announce your matches a week out so people know what's happening. And I think in time this will be a learning curve for the audience that this is not two hundred five live that you just sit on your hands. And maybe it's just wishful thinking, but I hope so. I I just don't know. I, I'm not hundred percent confident because to me it almost feels like SmackDown crowds. Uh, the people that are watching their phone, at least, during these 205 live, ma- live matches, they're not necessarily here for great wrestling. I feel like they're here for the star power. And, you know, I just don't see a Mark Andrews, you know, being promoted and and, and receiving the amount of uh, same star power that entices people to stick around and pay attention that an AJ Styles or a Shinsuke Nakamura would. But, you know, who knows? Maybe I... I at least, like, for my enjoyment, I, I'll continue to watch this because I had a great time. So next week, Akira Tozawa, Mark Andrews, and Drew Gulak versus Muscles. Uh, before we wrap things up, we have a few pieces of feedback here. So we, uh, first of all, scale of 1 to 10, SmackDown on Tuesday night, a 5.11. So more enjoyment Ouch. for Raw this week. Yeah, uh, SmackDown wasn't all that great a show this week. 
Uh, mm. can't, can't say too much great about it. Chris from Melbourne writes, okay, didn't Brian say last week that this top 10 list would help determine future championship opportunities? So why are the champions included? Ty Dillinger at number 10? The guy who's mainly been off TV since the U.S. title feud with AJ last year is more deserving than a guy like Rusev who's been on most weeks since October. My head hurts. They need to really kind of like tell you what the criteria are for for this top 10 that the talent are voting on. I mean, they've, they've kind of mentioned it. Can you, what do, what do you remember what they are? They were saying it was in ring. It was locker room respect. Okay. I just like, if you're the general manager and it's basically, it was flat out called by Byron Saxon. It's a popularity contest that if you're mm-hmm. going to have all the, the baby faces in this top 10, like what's the point of this? Like what a biased list to have. If you're, the babyface general manager. Like, it's... Like in kayfabe, what's the point of this? Yeah. Like, I'm saying, like, why yeah. have a list that, if no one's going to vote for you, like, you're Owens and Zane on the show where these are the guys going for the title. Mm-hmm. I mean, Brian didn't even reference this list when he made this match at the end of the night. So what's the point okay. of this, this stupid top ten? Um, We'll see. I mean, I imagine it'll play a role at some point. <laughs> uh. I feel like they have some grand plan for this that we don't see right now. Otherwise, they, they, I'm hoping that they would have never introduced it if they didn't have this grand plan. I think the you'll start seeing people like Zayn and Owens start start to complain about why they're not being voted for for number one. Maybe they'll start campaigning, you know, to the rest of the locker room, being nice to them, buying them donuts, buying them coffee, to to try to make it to number two this week. I don't know. Um, it's not a legitimate top 10. Uh, it's not going to make sense every single week. But I, I do – I would like them to kind of show a bit more um, of the thought process of how we arrived to the top 10. Yeah, like don't all the heels get a vote in this too? Like where's uh, where's Baron Corbin in this thing? Are you I, telling me Baron Corbin is below Ty Dillinger in the locker room? In Doesn't terms do- of In terms of respect, yeah. I guess he's the lone wolf. He has no friends. But I want to see people actually make their vote. I want to see people submit their ballots, you mm-hmm. know, and, and, and have them talk and talk about, like, why this week I'm voting uh, whatever, uh, the new day as number six. I don't know. Okay. Oh, sorry. My turn. We go to Noah from Vaughn. The SmackDown top ten list might be one of the worst ideas they have had ever. Okay. It, <laughs> Is it the worst ever? What's a hot take? It makes no sense for them to present this meaningless list that has no effect on title shots and future opportunities. However, like you guys have discussed recently, they are trying out a lot of new concepts to see what works. A for effort. F for execution. (laughs) Question of the night. What are your thoughts on them bringing back Ziggler next week for a match against Corbin? Seems just odd considering he was number 30 in the Rumble. Yeah, we've kind of, we were complaining about that. Oh, this guy. Yeah. I mean, what what a match to bring them back for Anthony from Philadelphia an overall fine show tonight especially in the ring I think the three main matches advertised throughout the week the women's match US title and main event ranged from fine to great I haven't been fond of Rude at all in the WWE especially as a face but I thought this may have been his best match on the main roster the crowd was surprisingly split for it despite Rusev's popularity not against doing a top 10 list in the future but as others have stated it really didn't make sense what the criteria was and more importantly I find the timing of it to be bad we're in mania season and this feels like a distraction that you can't do anything substantial with for that show I would have preferred debuting this after Wrestlemania 
Adam from San Diego. SmackDown tonight was one of those shows I probably won't remember in a month, but I thought for what it was, it was a decent show. I think Owens and Zayn could have a great match blindfolded. Did anyone else find it strange that Shane brought up the fact that Brian wants to be back in the ring? Maybe at this point it's wishful thinking, but I mean the only real direction for the storyline is some kind of physical interaction with Brian, isn't it? On the 205 Live front, I have really enjoyed watching this show the last few weeks, especially tonight with the two excellent tournament matches and even the surprise Roderick Strong victory. But is it time for WWE to realize that they don't have any clue what to do with the Tommy and maybe let him go back and finish his career in Japan? I mean, with him losing and the tournament being the focal point of 205 Live for the next two months, he won't even sniff a TV match. Maybe they could loan him. He could, do the, he could go to all Japan and do the Champion Carnival tournament. And win or lose? Lose that too? Oh, who cares? Be great. I mean, I don't like. I think everybody wants to believe that Atami is being held prisoner by the WWE and unable to <laughs> go back home if he wanted to. I don't think that's the case. I think Hideo Atami chose to come here, chose to try to be a star in America in the WWE, and it's hardly you know him being held captive uh, against his will. And and I oh. think people also have a bit of like granted he was he was the guy that everything was built around but I I think some people like uh, have this inflated view of how big pro wrestling Noah is I mean yeah. it's, I mean this is he left for a reason um, yeah. it tells a lot about kind of the state of where Noah was at that point and even where they are now um, as well it does raise questions though you know like I mean the main I would say of of all the kind of more big name NXT signings, he's one of the more disappointing ones, sad to say. A lot of it is due to unfortunate injuries, but I can't say he's been all that impressive with the chances he's been giving in ring two. Today, tonight being an exception, I thought he was awesome tonight. So, but where do you go, you know, if you're Hideo Itami? I would challenge the fourth ranked Naomi and try and move uh-huh. up the rankings. I think Randy Orton has to get through Naomi first before he can get a U.S. title shot at Bobby Roode. Wow. Naomi is ranked fourth way, so she is in a great she, position for WrestleMania. She's very respected. Yeah, clearly. Yeah. Um, final piece of feedback here comes from Jay in Colorado. What on earth is the point of this top 10 list? It didn't seem believable at all. It doesn't seem to be anything groundbreaking, nor does it bring anything new to the table. The Usos had a pretty good promo again, and it seems they are foreshadowing a WrestleMania match against the Bludgeon Brothers. I'm glad the Usos took the time to address thirsty cats because animal dehydration is something that needs more awareness. I have no interest in the main title feud. I understand they need a placeholder until Nakamura, but there's got to be something better than Sammy and Kevin again. Which ex- which extremity would you rather chew off instead of watching Ziggler versus Corbin next week? My answer, I'm going for all of them. All in all, another missable edition of SmackDown. I give it five swiveling heads out of ten. Not a great reception to that announcement for next week, Way, on SmackDown. That's a match that I think they, they could have better served um, to surprise us with. <laughs> I don't think I... people are really understanding. It's the first time in seven weeks that Ziggler has been on SmackDown, forty nine oh, wow. days. Has it been seven weeks? Wow, that's what they said. I feel like I feel like I'm I, I'm going to make plans to not watch that show. So we I'm going to plan just black that match out and just not just take a break during that match. Yeah, yeah. What am I going to do instead? What are you going to do with your extra ten minutes next um, week? I'm I'm reading this book on on the history of Rolling Stone magazine. So maybe I'm going to oh, cool. sit back and read that. Yeah, it's, it's very good. It's very long, though. 
I've been watching um last night. I started. I don't often start new TV shows anymore, especially after like you know starting all this. But I started watching a because of of the tro- of the trailers or the commercials throughout Raw. I started watching um American Crime Story: The Assassination of Gianni Versace. It's mm. from the same people who did the uh, the the trial of O.J. Simpson. Oh yeah, yeah, and it's tremendous. Like so far, you have like you do you know who Gianni Versace is? I have no idea actually. So you know the clothing, Versace. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. So this man, he was the 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 founder designer of that brand. He was murdered in '97. This was, I think, shortly after like Princess Die. Like I remember, like I, that whole period was like, yeah, Princess Die died, and then like this guy died as well. Anyway, so um, you have Penelope. You know who Donatella Versace is? Yes. So you have Penelope Cruz playing Donatella Versace, and. Like if you know Donatella Versace, she she just does a, a she, she's a very idiosyncratic um, character, and to to see uh, Penelope Cruz kind of do that accent, uh, I think she does a great job. And on top of that, Ricky Martin plays the love interest of Gianni Versace, and you know he's he's been fun to watch too in 2018. So I recommend that. Oh wow! Well, there you go. I watched. Uh, I'll give you my non-wrestling recommendation for the week. I watched the the latest uh, ESPN Thirty for Thirty called "The Two Bills," and it's a sit-down interview with Bill Belichick, the coach of the New England Patriots, and Bill Parcells. And way, if you're not even a football fan, this thing is so captivating. It's these two guys that came up, and Bill Parcells was like Bill Belichick's mentor, and they followed each other to. Uh, a number of different teams, and then eventually Belichick went out on his own, and they kind of became like rivals and had like this weird patch in their relationship. And then they're brought back here. They sit down. Uh, they they walk around the Giant Stadium because they used to coach together for the New York Giants, and it's it's like so well done. There's this great scene that you would appreciate, but also probably fear as a cameraman. They get to this point where they're finally talking about the rift they had in their relationship and the camera dies on Bill Parcells as he's explaining it. So the cameraman has to stop the tape and say, guys, sorry, we just got to fix the camera. And Bill Belichick goes, guys, maybe we can just take this as a sign to move on from this subject. I mean, if we wanted the story out there, the camera would not have broken on us. And he's kind of <laughs> he's kind of joking about it, but he clearly wants to move on from this subject. And they just air this footage oh. as it is. Yeah. And they That's awesome. They utilize like the technique is so great because when mm-hmm. one of them is talking, instead of just keeping it on him, it's either split screen or they put it on the other coach for his reactions. And it's it's just oh, it's wow. so well produced that you don't know need to know anything about football. It doesn't matter at all. And it was great. It was on it was on TSN and I'm sure you can find it online, but it's the latest 30 for 30 documentary and it's just a really well produced documentary. Well, that sounds awesome. So there you have it folks, if you have any free time, go uh, go check out uh, American Crime Story and 30 for 30. And Way and I are going to be back. Uh, first up, Thursday, we've got Ollie Court, Martin, and Benno back with British Wrestling Experience. That'll be up late Wednesday night, early Thursday morning, depending on where you are around the globe. Uh, it, always yeah. have fun time with those three. 
with that show, we usually try to time it so that it uh, it launches about midnight on uh, in UK time. So for everybody else outside of the UK, that means uh, it'll probably be out. I want to say like I don't know six o'clock in that Wednesday night, Eastern. So that is that is a uh, Wednesday night, Thursday morning, and then Friday. Way and I are back with Rewind Away as we are going to be tackling uh, night three of last September's PWG Battle of Los Angeles card, uh, which features the quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals of the big tournament, as well as a 10-man tag. And we will be joined by Tyler Crane, who is our Espresso executive producer. He will join us at the start of the review to explain why he chose this show. Then at the end of the show, he'll come on and share his thoughts uh, attending the card live in Reseda, California. So that is up, and that will be available for, for all of our patrons up at patreon.com slash postwrestling. And then this weekend, we've got a UFC 221 post show coming up Saturday night. And also Saturday for patrons, Wei and I will be reviewing the new beginning card from Osaka with Kazuchika Okada against Sonata. And uh, you should go watch the tag title match, Wei, from Tuesday. I did. Oh, you saw it. What did you think? I thought it was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually, I thought that match was great. I thought the match from the night prior, the five-on-five, I don't know how, like, how, how you could tell me, like, how, how, um, when, when New Japan started doing this with the, with the 10 man tags, the rule is it's not just pinfall, but it's over the top rope elimination as well. Yes. And it just, like, it makes it just so much fun. And I think it's just such a great device to, to, to use in these lead up matches to have guys get one up over somebody else without actually, you know, taking a pinfall. So um, that was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, the tag match was great as well. Yeah, I haven't seen the uh, the first uh, Corkun Hall show from this week, but I did see the main event today, and Sonata really came across like a mm-hmm. like a star in this match. Mm-hmm. And I I've said it before, like I, I think that there's a very small percentage chance that they could do something crazy at this. No way. I I don't I don't. I I say like ten percent chance, ten percent chance. Hmm. But I feel uh, I feel actually after watching this tag title match, I felt actually even less because it feels like Sonata has already gotten more out of this than I anticipated he would. Mm-hmm. He really came across like uh, a big deal here. Like that match is going to be tremendous with Okada and Sonata, and I think yeah. Sonata going the distance with him, going you know thirty thirty five minutes. And then losing, I think Sonata's going to come out of it uh, kind of made after this. What else is on the show? Goto and uh, uh, Evil. Goto and Evil. It's like a whole LIJ versus Chaos um, kind of theme mm-hmm. to the show. I'm just going to pull up the card right now. So that means Hiromu and, and Will Ospreay as well? Yes. They're having their match for the... Uh, okay, so we've got Kazuchika Okada Sonata for the IWGP heavyweight title. Uh, Goto against Evil for the Never Championship. Will Ospreay against Hiromu Takahashi. All of those top three matches are going to be phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Tetsuya Naito against Yoshihashi. I, I think it'll be fine. Um, mm-hmm. It's just kind of a, a Naito placeholder. But they, they've had good chemistry in the past. Ghetto against Bushi, which I don't understand why this singles match is happening on this show. Other than... I could see some kind of angle coming out of it. It's just really strange to have that singles match in the middle of this card. It's probably just also the the theme of the night, right? 
Yeah. Lij versus Chaos. I guess so. Uh, Ryusuke Taguchi and Kushida teaming with Michael Elgin and Togi Makabe against Minoru Suzuki, Takamichinoku, Taichi, and Takeshi Azuka. Eight man tag. Then you have Juice Robinson and David Finley against Toriyano, Tomohiro Ishii, and Jay White uh, with Toa Hanare as well, part of the Taguchi Japan team. And then Rapongi 3K against Desperado and Yoshinobu Kanemaru. And Yuji Nagata against Katsuya Kitamura in Kitamura's trial series. That should actually be uh, mm-hmm. pretty good, actually, with Nagata. So I'm, cool. I'm looking forward to this card on, uh, on Saturday. Should be what, time is, what time is it on? It starts at, I believe... Is it 4.30 or 2.30? I believe Eastern. it's 4.30 in the morning is my guess. Okay. I don't know off the top of my head here, but I, I seem to recall it being 4.30. So it's early if you're in the uh, the North American time zone. And yeah, Kevin Kelly and Don Callis are doing commentary for it. I'm stalling here as I just look at the uh, the time here for people. Oh, it's sorry. I should have... No, no, no. We, we should have this right. 3 a.m. Eastern time. Okay, that's not that bad. For you, it's not that bad. For most people, that's like <laughs> the middle of the night. That's like a really awkward time to watch a five-hour show. For you, it'll be really rough because you're going to have to do the UFC that night too. I haven't figured out how this Saturday is going to work, but somehow we're going to get it all done. So okay. that's coming up this weekend, folks. Postwrestling.com for all of your coverage. Uh, Patreon.com slash postwrestling. And we will speak with you on Friday with Rewind Away. <laughs>